1: Steven is a 26-year-old painter who has been abusing prescription opioids. He first started taking them following a work accident where he fell off a ladder and was prescribed oral opioids. He lost his job and is now living home with his mother. He was recently hospitalized for depression and opioid dependence and recently completed a detox program. He comes in to see you to learn what his options are for avoiding relapse because he does not want to. His mother will kick him out of the house if he starts using again. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Joining me today is Alan Ehrlich, associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and executive editor at DynaMed. Hi, Alan. Hi, Frank. So, Steven has quite the issues. It sounds wonderful that he's gone through detox. What are his options to help prevent relapse for his opioid abuse? Well,
2: the American Society of Addiction Medicine recommends maintenance therapy with some type of medication. And the most commonly used medications would be methadone or buprenorphine, along with naloxone. Naltrexone is another alternative. And that can be given either orally or as a once a month injectable. And there's some new evidence out
1: comparing the naltrexone to buprenorphine. It's great to know that there's a long-acting agent, something that doesn't have to be given all the time. How does it compare to our current standards of treatment?
2: Well, as you mentioned, you, one of the big differences is daily dosing of uh, oral medications versus a once-a-month injectable. The new study that was recently published showed that when compared to using buprenorphine, if you give a once a month injectable, it's at least as effective. They did what was called the non-inferiority trial where they're using the buprenorphine as the standard medication and seeing seeing whether the naltrexone injectable is as effective. They have a margin of error of about 10% to see if it's no worse than that. And in fact, actually in the study, that was done, the results showed fewer cravings with the long-acting injectable naltrexone and fewer positive urine opioid tests amongst the group that got treated with the long-acting naltrexone. Both treatments were fairly effective, but the long-acting naltrexone was a
1: little more effective than the buprenorphine. Wow, so this sounds like uh, an agent that can be given once a month, has no real potential for abuse or diversion, and um, is at least as efficacious as what we currently have, if not maybe even a little better. Are there any downsides to this new medication?
2: Well, there are a couple. I just want to highlight one of the things you said. The downsides to the buprenorphine or the methadone is you can have dependence on those. Buprenorphine is a partial agonist of opioids, and uh, methadone is an opioid agonist. Now, trexone is an opioid antagonist. And so, one of the downsides is increased withdrawal symptoms, and there were more adverse events reported in the naltrexone group. The patients have to be completely off of opioids before starting the naltrexone, uh, and that's one of the limitations. In this study, the patients went through seven days of detox, and a lot of patients aren't going to be off opioids that long before you need to start giving them some type of maintenance therapy, or else you're at risk of them relapsing. So that's one of the limitations. Another limitation is you can't use it in pregnant women. Uh, Naltrexone is uh, FDA, a pregnancy class C, and there just isn't much data in pregnant women. There's some data in animal studies that is of concern. And so this
1: would be uh, something that you wouldn't want to be using in that situation. Um, What agents are uh, safe and effective in pregnancy? Well, you know, it's hard to say safe and effective, but I think the
2: general sense is to use some type of uh, opioid agonist and
1: not try and uh, detox and withdraw women during the, the pregnancy. During pregnancy and then deal with that postpartum for both the child and and, and the mother. Well, it sounds like a very uh, positive outlook. Are there any other downsides to this uh, injectable uh, opioid antagonist?
2: Well, first of all, one of the things is that not everybody likes getting injections. Some people prefer taking pills. Uh, Cost is another factor. The uh, injectable naltrexone is fairly expensive, and often people who are going through Uh, treatment for opioid dependence, don't have great health insurance, may not have coverage for these types of things. So those are uh, areas of concern. Um, Like many things in medicine, and and clearly uh, given the choices here and the upsides and downsides to all of them, this is an area where there needs to be shared decision making. Now, many family physicians uh, are not in the business of directly treating patients for opioid dependence. They may be referring them. They may be seeing these, their patients when they're being treated with these other uh, agents. And so I think it's something that we need to be informed about, even if you're not one of the people who's directly uh, prescribing them. Uh, there are going to be additional uh, concerns in terms of interactions with other medications and things like that.
1: I know with, um, certainly with methadone and buprenorphine, special uh, r- requirements are put forward that pati- uh, providers need to be trained in their use before they can prescribe them, or at least I believe that's the case. Do you, Is there any data that shows um, if I'm a primary care provider in a rural setting and I don't have great access to um, opioid uh, treatment centers, um, do I need any special training with this medication or is this just something I can administer on a monthly basis with, uh, without any additional education?
2: I don't believe that you there are any uh, additional training requirements for this, again, because there's no potential
1: for abuse. Great. Well, um, this sounds like a very interesting new development until we, uh, we get some of the details worked out concerning its cost it's as efficacious as what we currently have and seems to have a certain degree of fewer risks. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. One other
2: thing, you know, there are always going to be more areas of uncertainty, and one I wanted to highlight is the difference between patients who have addiction to heroin and addiction to prescription opiates. And we know from data that methadone seems to be better in patients with addiction to heroin compared to the buprenorphine. Whether there are going to be similar distinctions that naltrexone in inje- long-acting injectable works better in subpopulations uh, and is less effective in some other populations, uh, I think that still remains to be seen. So it's still this is a new tool. It's already been shown in other studies that it is more effective than placebo, but in terms of how it compares to other uh, choices and in what populations which choice is best. I think more data is needed.
1: Alan, thanks so much for bringing this to our attention. I can easily see within the next few years, all of us will need to be highly invested in managing the opioid crisis, and this will be one more tool in our toolbox. Thanks again. Thanks, Ray. Practice pointer. A new agent is as effective as our current treatment methods for the treatment of opioid dependence, injectable naltrexone. Join us next time, where we'll be discussing the best evidence on diagnosis and management for acute sinusitis.
0: Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so... Please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on prima.com Thank you again for listening.